Welcome to the Beer in a Movie podcast, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm Dave Gurney, and I'm here with Ethan Thompson and Carlos Cooper. And this week, we are going to be talking about, a well, one recent release and then one older release that uh, that we can sort of tie in thematically. And that recent release is the film Hereditary, uh, starring Tony Collette and Gabriel Byrne that's uh, been in theaters now just a, a couple weeks. And now that you're listening to this, maybe a little longer, but, um, but whatever, it's been burning up the box office, uh, especially for a sort of low-budget horror film. And, uh, and then our follow-up will be Rosemary's Baby. But as you know, we always do that with the pairing of some sort of libation, and we would not let that uh, go by the wayside. So this week we have, for our first beer, a 2017 Firestone Walker Helderado uh, Blonde Barley Wine Ale. And I'm going to go ahead and get the thing opened here. All right. And for those of you who haven't had um, a blonde barley wine, that's kind of an interesting uh, twist on a style that's an old style, I believe. Um, but the barley wine, the basic idea just being that this is a rather heavy beer, I think. So it's going to have a real high ABV on it, I bet. 12.8. 12.8? Okay. All right. <laughs> if you're thinking... I guess that qualifies. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, so you might not want to start your day with this beer. No, for breakfast. Probably not the breakfast beer. Although depends on what kind of day you're trying. But to if you're, you know, if it's going to be a hellish day, maybe right. Hell Dorado. So, so thinking, yeah. Here, here, the name of the beer kind of tying in, I think, to the theme of the week. Um, yeah, it smells like a barley wine. Yeah. So when when Ethan says smells like a barley wine, what are you getting there? Alcohol. <laughs> Definitely some alcohol. <laughs> also, like really, but there's some. Really malty, right? Yeah, I mean, like yeah, a lot of uh, yeah. almost like a caramel kind of. Uh, yeah, really malty. I'm getting yeah, a little. I'm, I'm, be, I'm being. Um, it. I'm not being generous me, when I say that. There's. It's more complicated than just being alcohol. <laughs> the smell reminds me of the uh, 120 minute IPA. Okay. Yeah. Right. Which is which is a fairly malty IPA to yeah. take all the the hops that they're putting in there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and another one that's really pretty high in ABV. I get a little honey on it too. Yeah. Right. Honey. A little vanilla, maybe. The vanilla I'm getting as well, yeah. Yeah. And and what's interesting, so I like I said, they call this a blonde barley wine, which which is a variation on the barley wine. Barley wines tend to have sort of a darker um, malt bill in, in terms of, you know, you end up with a beer that's much, you know, sort of darker brown. Not not black. It's not like a stout, but, it's, but it usually is darker. And in this case, you have something that's relatively light. I mean, if you saw this poured and you didn't know it was 12.8%, I bet you'd look at this and think, oh, that's like kind of a, I mean, it's not quite amber, but I would think this is maybe sort of a middle of the road kind of amber lager or something along those lines. Yeah, for sure. Based on the, you but, could fool people, it, you you know, drinking pints of that right there. Think <laughs> well, you're just being a normal guy, but you're being like a serious drunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're saying, 30, okay. If you, know, you, if you were to like, yeah, you could disguise with that. Okay. Right you, you'd you, be a very unique individual if you drank that much barley wine though. 
But who's to say? Right. <laughs> We're not, I'm not going to judge that guy. No. no, no. But but I think if you tried to pass this off to somebody and say, hey, take a pint of this, once they took a sip, they'd kind of know, oh, yeah, this is this is a little higher octane than what I had thought. So. Uh, anyhow, so so we've kind of described uh, some look and smell there, and that's kind of where we'll leave it. We'll sip on this uh, while we talk about this film, Hereditary. Um, as I said in the opening, we're talking about a horror film, fairly low budget, uh, being released by A24, and I believe it's it's already their kind of top earning film in terms of uh, releases. So they're they're kind of a small studio, but great uh, studio. Yeah, I've had a lot of really solid stuff. Right, right. Some of your favorites there, Carlos? Uh, yeah, Tusk. Okay. <laughs> That's right. You are a Tusk fan. Yeah, they, they took on that challenge, and God bless them, because what a, what a just nutso movie yeah. that, that, that one was. So. Absolutely. Props to A24. Absolutely. So willing to take on some, some uh, tougher and, and more challenging projects. This one seems to have landed well with audiences. The basic premise, we have a family that is going through some uh, a bereavement, right? They're, they've lost a family member as the film opens, uh, a grandmother and uh, mother and grandmother of the family has died, the matriarch. And the family's kind of reeling from it to a certain extent. Although, are they? Well, that's it, right? Certain family members are, certain family members aren't. So the first two-thirds of the film, I think we have kind of a psychological suspense, horror kind of thing going on where you're not quite sure what family members might be involved with what kind of... Uh, relationships with this this grandmother figure. You, you find out pretty quickly that the mom and the grandmother had a terrible relationship, right? Yeah. And then yeah. yeah. there's a, this history with her brother having killed himself. Like, you know, the film starts out showing the obituary for the grandmother, and it says in that that, you know, that her son and husband are already dead. So you already know that there's been death in this family surrounding them. And anyway... Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I'm sorry to hear that this film is doing really well. Uh, (laughs) I, the thing is, I just see so many missed opportunities in this film and Mm. uh, there was things that I was, um, really looking forward to and enjoying. And then I just thought there were elements of it. I think I thought it blew like the one thing that I was really looking forward to, uh, which was the young actress. I think she, this was her opportunity here and, um, Man, there We're wasn't about enough of her. Millie Shapiro. Millie Shapiro. Millie Sh- yeah, Shapiro. Yeah. yeah. I was shocked at how much of a like on-screen presence she was not. Yeah, Based I on agree. the trailer, you think that you're going to see huh. a well, lot that, of her. Yeah, and you see... And then you don't. And I was, you know, I mean, this... this you know, I don't mean to be... Let's mean, enter the spoiler. She has a very, very particular look, this right. young actress. And I don't know about her likelihood of aging into a leading actress type performer. Right. And I feel like this was her right, great chance. Um, and she was good. She had a really good on-screen presence. No, I mean, she, she was. She was really she was good. good. Uh, and then, you know, she gets her head knocked off really quickly. Spoilers. Um, and, and, and also denies me the pleasure of seeing her just kill a whole lot of people. Which so is you what were I thinking this was, was this was going to be like demented child. Yeah. Sort I wonder, of. I mean, cause yeah, she's ripping the heads off pigeons and it, making these cool little dolls. And she's a, do that. she's a creative little girl, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, she, she, she's just so interesting. And all the other people in this family are such duds. Yeah. Well, the movie is billed as her doing something. Right. Like, the when you watch the trailers, you're like, okay, 
this is the person we're looking at. It's called Hereditary. She's the youngest. Right. Uh, the youngest she gets the most screen time in that trailer, in probably. Tra- yeah, she does. And so, I mean, it, in the trailer, we know that the grandmother has died. We know that the the mother of Charlie, t- played by Tony Collette, is like in a weird place with it and doesn't know how to feel about it and something's going on with her. And then we know that something's really going on with this character, Charlie, and then nothing happens with her. And in the, I shouldn't say nothing happens with her, but not in the way that it's advertised in the trailer and you really expect her to do something kind of fucked up at some point in that. And you kind of want her to maybe like what a dud is Gabriel Byrne. <laughs> oh my God. That well, guy is so boring. He's yeah, awful. But, that, but doesn't that, isn't that the character? I don't know. I don't uh, know maybe. that that's, that's, I don't think you want somebody to pop in that role because I, w- I would like to see his own daughter, like set him aflame. Well, for us to just watch him burn. Yeah. Not his wife inadvertently. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> he was set aflame, though. So, I mean, as far as, like... He did. He things, was set aflame. Things you wanted to see. But I didn't get to see that enough. I mean, that was my favorite part of the film. It's actually when he ignited <laughs> head-to-toe Yeah, he was, he was not... I think Tony Collette and... Um, what's the son's name? Uh, Wolf is... Uh, Alex, Wolf, Alex Wolf. yeah. Who was apparently a Nickelodeon star? Yeah. I you didn't know, know I, I never... Did you ever watch Naked Truckers? I know you had kids in that era, so it was before no, my, my no, child-rearing days. No. There was apparently a Nickelodeon... The Naked Brothers Band was the yeah, yeah, and that and actually the I think that the um, edit this out if if I'm incorrect, but uh, the 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 counselor on Freaks and Geeks was like in that band. Oh, maybe yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, but so I I don't know. I really was looking forward to that actress, you know, be be, being this like unsettling character, Uh and then just the movie went off the rails for me very early with just. I started thinking of it as such a like screenwriting 101 exercise. Huh. This is this director's first feature length film. It is. I indeed. was checking out. He's done these short films before. And there are parts of it where I just like, I just wanted to just throttle him um, because, it, <laughs> because you know, there's that, uh, I, I think it was Hitchcock or someone like him who said, Oh, you've got to tell people some things three times for them to understand it in a film. Yeah. Like, and I just felt like he was doing that over and over again in ways that were just so clumsy. Mm. So for example, Charlie, <laughs> Charlie is the girl's name that dies too soon. Um, she doesn't have much screen time, but the screen time she has like, how much of it is she like eating a chocolate bar? Right. It's like she, all the time. She, yeah, she's holding a chocolate bar in her hand. Much yeah. Much, and she looks ridiculous <laughs> doing this. She looks did that a ever pay stupid off? little kid. Did the chocolate well, I think, ever, the, I think it's pay a, off. Come it on. Off that's, she ate the chocolate cake. Yeah. Which had the nuts in it. So right? she's always eating chocolate well, bars and mom's asking. Uh, does it have nuts in it? Does yes. it have nuts in it? Does it have nuts in it? And then. But it, we go but it was to, just a device to make that happen. No, exactly. It was de- a, a device to make that happen, and it looked ridiculous. Yeah. Then you go into this party, this teenage party. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but the parties I went to as a teenager, people didn't just sit around making cakes. Okay. They're making. <laughs> a, they're. They're. These girls are making a cake, and not only are they making a cake, but to signal to you that there might be some problems, they're making a cake, and there are like. 10 cups of chopped walnuts sitting on the counter right next to this cake that they're making. Yeah. So then when her brother, uh, uh, you know, is trying to get her, she's been forced to go to this party with her brother and her brother's like, which that part is pretty crazy already. Yeah. Right. Doesn't make it. Right. What, what you're going to make me take my like 13 year old 
sister to this part. What's yeah. wrong with you? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so your mom's a Satanist, I guess. You got issues. But anyway, that like pile of walnuts on the table while these teenagers are baking a cake at a party just m- made me like want to just... So it, it just felt very forced. It yes, felt come very, on. I mean, it's like, yeah. It's like, and then later she goes to a uh, grief counseling, uh-huh. right? Like this, this grief yeah, support yeah. group, which is obviously it's a support group. She's sitting outside. There's people milling around and outside of a gym. And then she goes in and they're all sitting around in a circle and the universal symbol of uh, a, a group support therapy session. Mm-hmm. And there's also a sign set, set up on a little easel in the middle of this gym, you know, that says, uh, uh, losing a loved one support group. Right. Like, well, when you, oh, I, uh, yes, I know that. Yeah. It was pretty, yeah. Um, so, so, these, so you were upset by how on the nose. Oh my so God. Much it was of, so on the nose. So much of it was on the nose, um, where it could have just really been entertaining horror. Uh, it just, I would say clumsy. it's barely horror. I would say it's barely, barely horror, horror. Also, because, you know, like with film genres and what we define them by, horror and comedy are the two that we define them by, like the emotional response. Right. <laughs> Rather than what's so much actually happens that we feel horror. Yeah. And I kept laughing. Like it elicited laughter from me. Huh. When I see her there eating was a, a scene, chocolate bar or whatnot. Yeah. Th- there was a scene towards the end that the whole audience was like, huh? And like there were a lot of giggles in the theater that I went and saw it. But as, I mean. Do you remember what that was? Yes, and I will get to it because I am furious about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, good because I, I I've I've gone on my little tirade and I'll stop now. Well, see, see for me, a lot of that stuff, I kind of, I mean, I noticed it and I was like, eh, but it didn't really like bug me too much because most of the things that you were talking about just now are to like get us into it and like I get okay. it, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it as. As much as that could have been done better, like I, I get it, I'll take it, whatever. As long as you get me somewhere worth going, okay. Yeah, you know, I can kind of suspend some of those qualms that I would have about those things. Yeah. And for me, I mean, there's a lot of suspense. It's really eerie. Like the score is like very tense and like makes you uncomfortable. And the whole time you're like, okay, some really good score. Yeah. So like something shitty is about to happen, right? Like th- this music is not telling me anything positive and everyone's <laughs> like looking around at you. It, it, the, everyone looks tense and uncomfortable. And, uh, and then when things really start to heat up at the very end, which is really, things don't really happen until the very end other than, I mean, there's the one beheading. And then after that, it's kind of just like, everybody's like, okay, this kind of sucks. Right. And then finally, <laughs> and then finally stuff starts happening like in a more horror aspect. Um, I would say the only scene that really fit into a horror kind of genre and not just like a family drama film was the scene where you see her head on the side of the road. That was really the only thing that was like, well, until we get to the very end, until we get to the very end. Yeah. Up until then, it's kind of just like, yeah, this family doesn't get along. Nobody really knows how to like talk to each other, how to deal with this. Mm -hmm. It's a very dysfunctional, but there's, there's seances. It's just your normal like neighborhood where there's seances and spiritualism. I mean, there's that stuff is thrown around. Right, right. That, yeah. right. That, that that it's there. Yeah. And, well, but just just to get out of the way, because I can't. The the part that do really it. it'll make you feel better. It will really <laughs> piss me. Exercise off. And, this demon. And and the, <laughs> and the part that I really the whole film kind of just lost me, and I was like, well, this was almost kind of cool. Was the sun is sleeping, and you see Tony Collette 
hovering in the corner of the room looking down at him. She's like floating, suspended in the air, like Spider-Man style in the corner of this yeah, room. Yeah, right. And so I saw that and I was like, well, that's fucking dumb and does not fit in with the whole yeah. world that they've been like, right. in so far. And then she like swims out of the room. Mm-hmm. At a, they cut and she's... She's not just floating out of the room. She is doing this whole like swimming motion, <laughs> which I understand what I'm doing right now isn't helpful for people. Yeah, right. No. He's but, doing a swimming motion. But I mean, she's like American crawl. Yeah, <laughs> and it's so stupid. It's uh-huh. like one of the dumbest things that I've ever seen in a movie because it just like. And the only reason that she is floating up there apparently is so that later in the film when she's floating up against the roof and cutting off her own head you could have done that without the floating though i know well what i'm saying like the only reason they had any of the floating at all i think is because they wanted to have her floating at the end cutting her head off so they had this well we got to have another scene where she's floating because we got to plant just like we had to do with that stupid chocolate bar and charlie's fist she could have she could have hoisted herself up via the thing that she's decapitating herself with and doesn't she doesn't have to be floating she can be holding herself and sawing at the same time and that would be way more scary no, she, way way more brutal and just like she doesn't have to be floating but i think having her float is one of those indications that oh there is supernatural shit going on that goes beyond just a woman having a mental breakdown Right? Because, I mean, I think that's the line that this film plays with for the good, like, two-thirds of it. You're saying it feels less horror than it does family drama, and in part that's because this whole idea of hereditary has has more to do with mental illness in a lot of ways, it right? Because there's this wish- family history ha- of... The, you know, her brother was what schizophrenic. Is yeah. that well? What that's they what described? they say. They don't her, really. Her go father had been. Yeah. Her no, father starves they, himself to death. Right, and they don't. And but see, that's why for me, I say I like. I never really bought it as just. Well, maybe it's all in her head because they're doing things like they're showing that you know the the weird words scrawled on the wall. Yeah, Saturnia I also have beef with the name of the movie because what it, I mean to me, it seemed like there was some kind of like inherent evil running through the family but it's really just that the mom was like wants to summon the devil yeah and the and dead that, mom that yeah the dead mom and, and that's, who doesn't have a family with a mom that wants to summon the I devil mean, li- literally everyone <laughs> we can all relate to that but not the only thing the word hereditary is misleading because nobody else really like nobody else in the family is into that shit nobody inherits in, in right him. like I get, I get i get that although she's imposed it upon them she, and i think that's the part that hereditary extent, isn't but, we choose to follow in our family's footsteps hereditary is often but, we sort of are saddled with i was hoping to see her baggage. like resurrected or something like she's, wanted, she's the most interesting character in the whole thing not we never see her. <laughs> yeah. there's right. no flashbacks or anything Nothing. to suggest why she like she just got this weird you know uh this spiritualism like yeah, volume bo- yeah. like she was home one Hooked day and decided to get into this and then and for the rest of her life she was like a satanist right it never shows me that and and for me you know like i talked about missed opportunities how about some more naked old satanists nick oh how, yeah right great why would, save know, that till the end gonna, and, and not enough gonna, of them. yeah not enough full frontal old man nude satans yeah. <laughs> like, i want to see these people party well okay you know i bet they drink some hell dorado yeah, maybe yeah, sure. they probably would it's probably the you official know, they, they would be like the interesting people in the town now i, I me, i'll trade all the gabriel burn for just like a little bit more of those all right crazy naked more. i before before we we totally just throw this in the trash pile i <laughs> i i enjoyed this film 
I, I saw have, that one come. Yeah. I sensed it. <laughs> I, I I'm the resident apologist on on the. We uh, really beer have and movie kind podcast. of fit into our roles. Yeah, we do. Uh, but okay, the, and the reasons why I say like now I will I will agree with Ethan on many of these points about how it's so obvious and so okay from that very it is one of the first scenes where they make the like oh does that have nuts in it i knew that there was going to be anaphylactic shock remember yeah. how many nuts they showed and yeah like right? it was no. like a ridiculous it was, it was obvious that that was going to be a device that was going to get used and someone and says that we was don't like have an EpiPen. 50 bucks right. worth of walnuts right so i mean save some those of you budget. that go out there to cook a cake you know like right. you, you get the little bitty bag of walnuts because it's <laughs> expensive <laughs> that's right i so i get that however the things that i focused on that really made this movie work one carlos mentioned the score i thought was really effective and to me horror is so much about setting that tone and it's like it's like watching a, a david lynch film right like a a good scene in a david lynch film if you robbed it of that score it would just play out as pure comedy a lot of the time. And often you do end up laughing anyway, but then you get that creepy Angelo Badalamenti or David Lynch or whoever's making it for him, like that kind of weird, kind of throbbing, pulsing, um, ambient, just strangeness. And it, and it totally like ratchets up this kind of anxiety. So I had that feeling going through the film. I thought Tony Collette did an amazing job. She's I great. really enjoyed watching. I thought the scene where she breaks down after the daughter dies, as much as I didn't even buy into their relationship, I didn't even think she cared about the daughter, but the way she was screaming and wailing after that, like it hit me. I was like, oh my God, I didn't think I even cared about these characters and their relationship. And that scene really got me. The scene where she uh, is is revealing, I, I think it's a dream sequence, it is, right? Where she's revealing to the son um, that, she had wanted to abort him or or she wanted to miscarry him and she yeah. was trying to like that was some pretty dark stuff that the way she was bringing it out like i totally bought it and i was and i was feeling that and it felt really kind of her her big i don't know a little bit later when she gets truly hysterical i i didn't care for it anymore mm. but that might have been because she was in such close proximity to gabriel byrne <laughs> you really hate gay- gabriel i have mean you i always wanted, hated she, gabriel byrne how do you feel about no I, I realized my hatred for him while i was watching wow. this film wow. um i wanted i don't know because I, I wanted some more interaction like her actually, her when she's at the dinner table with her son mm-hmm. and she calls him out for that stuff. I, you know, listening to you again, I was like, okay, I kind of, I did really enjoy that. Yeah, like, and him talking back to her essentially, like there was this real, um, you know, this this um, not benevolent uh, force between the two of them, right. whether or not it was, you know, Lord Satan or whatever his little minion is in this film, Pyman, Pyman, Pyman. Um, They're the two best parts Simon. for sure. But it's funny cause that you mentioned Lynch because I found myself thinking about that too. Like, okay, now Ethan, come on now. Like, why is it you like David Lynch but you don't like this? Because David Lynch movies don't make sense, much of them. But you just kind of get in the flow and you excuse a whole lot of stuff with a David Lynch movie, like the Twin Peaks. You know, yeah. like, I love, I love the. Uh, uh, what was it called? The Return. Year? The Return. I love that. And a lot. And, and I think it's because instead of like just having the, such on-the-nose, you know, uh, plants and everything else, it's kind of the opposite of that. Like, if there was a whole pile of walnuts, it would be, right. be there for a reason. There would be something 
about it that was oh, meant absolutely. to be strict. And, and the thing is, it would never be because somebody was allergic to them. It would just be that somebody decided just to like, chop $50 worth of Walmarts <laughs> right. on them. And they, no, I mean, believe me, I love David Lynch, and he does not operate in horror. As much as he has elements of horror and people have tied him to that genre in various right. ways, it's, it's very no. different. Yeah. This film wants to tie things up. I mean, what I liked, so I like Tony Collette, I like the score, I also like that it really played out in this kind of ambiguous space where for, like I said, two thirds, three quarters of it, you, you could think, all right, this is either a woman having like a nervous breakdown that that's been sort of, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, th- that has been built up over years and that she's already had some mental issues, but we're watching it unfold. And yet she's affiliating it with this whatever this other thing that may be going on this kind of spiritualist thing that's going on and then when it takes that turn and it really nope really it is this you know it it, it, the grandmother was involved in this cult and they were trying to resurrect this thing at that point i kind of liked like okay yeah this is interesting this is kind of fun to see this play out and i mean i say fun but i guess interesting to see this play out and what is this kind of um, ritual sacrifice thing that they're going to be doing and the way that that kind of all happened. And I knew it had to get back up to the treehouse. I mean, I I, I kind of like the fact that we keep seeing this treehouse through the window, wherever, and it's like we never actually get there until the very end, and, and that's where the... Yeah, the I don't know. I've lost some missed opportunities, I think. Okay. Well, I, think, I think for me, I wanted... I either wanted like some kind of inherent evil to like legitimately be like a hereditary thing in this family and for someone to like kill a bunch of people Mm -hmm. or at the end I wanted it to be just straight up cult stuff and not well it was straight up cult stuff there's a bunch of supernatural stuff that fucks it because I think the compelling thing oh you wanted it to be a cult that was just people being misguided and that wanted it to be like this yeah that are just like really like demented disturbed people because that yeah. To me, that's like that's horror because that's like something that like that happens. Right. Like those, well, that's like, interesting. Those cults exist. That would have been that would be a darker, more disturbing ending if it was and really it, like it, it we didn't a, have floating Tony Collette and we didn't have self decapitating Tony. Collette, but it was like these people who had been yeah. affiliated. It, it, it gets to a point where you think that's what's going to happen though, because nothing like nothing that is definitively supernatural happens up until that point. Everything else you can kind of chalk up as a delusion right. until she floats. Right. And then at that point, you're like, well. Oh, well, no, I, I disagree with, with, the, with the cup moving around and stuff and the flames shooting up real high from oh, the, the candle. Flame, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and how about and how about the mysterious force that put that telephone pole out in the middle of nowhere? They leave this party. <laughs> <laughs> they leave this party because she's clearly going into, uh, what's it called, anaphylactic yeah, shock. Yeah, yeah. And they, they purposefully show us that he says he's driving to the hospital, but it's like, okay, Middle they're, of nowhere. they're driving across a mountain range yeah, and they're all alone on the roads. There are no houses. There are no power yeah. lines. There are no telephone lines. There's nothing. Yeah. But I'll be damned if she, you know, sticks her head out the window and promptly gets it knocked off yeah. by the one telephone pole. That happens that, to be yeah. that happens to be like in the middle of the road. Apparently, yeah. I will say I, I want to say that you know one of the positive things that came out of this film was I I put a post on Facebook asking for people's favorite cinematic right, decapitations, right. and it might be one of the most popular things I ever put on Facebook. <laughs> it feels like it anyway. It's been a very productive. People were waiting for this. They were salivating. So maybe a little bit later here in the podcast, we'll get to go through some of these other. Well, and, and we can we've we've already mentioned the couple decapitations that happened in this film. They were pretty well done. They were I well mean, done. I, now, as much as you say, like the telephone pole coming out of nowhere, I get it. But 
at the same time, it worked. I mean, her getting her head knocked off was a profound it, sort it, of. It knocked her head off. Yeah, that's true. And you see it as, as Carlos far as if that's yeah. what it worked means. But yeah. like even in the model she makes, of you see, the model that mom makes, which right. we didn't mention that, but she's, that she's an artist and she makes this. Yeah. yeah, the model that she makes, you see how completely ridiculous it is that there's this <laughs> telephone pole that her daughter's head get knocked off by. I also didn't right. feel the model making thing. Paid off, off, yeah. It did much. Off. I don't. I the way that you see it in the trailer, you're like, oh, this is gonna be a big part of this. And then, like, one of the first shots you see is a very interesting shot where it like pans in on one of the models, yeah, and yeah. then the scene begins in the actual house, right? And then that was it. You know what? Yeah. Maybe if you took Anomalisa <laughs> and this film, if Charlie Kaufman, folks, directed go this, back to uh, episode a, two. That's a callback <laughs> to episode, episode three. three. Episode three. Sorry, mm-hmm. that could be an what? interesting film. Is that f- I think it was five. No. Okay. Well, we one live of our in a nonlinear world. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we Time did is a construct. There. <laughs> 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 there we, that's a line from Tag. We're not even doing that. Hey, but that I, was a good movie, though. Just sidebar. <laughs> We can do a we can do a mini episode, uh, but but Ethan's right. We'll, That's we'll, the whole episode. We though. yeah, we it may just, get to good. talking about that Be, before we get too lost here. Though we're wrapping up this beer, I just want to hear what uh, what you guys think and as your first barley wine, right? You it is my first barley. What wine. do you think? Carlos? I've always I've seen them in you know the liquor store or whatever, and have thought maybe I should give this a go. But something about the words barley wine kind of just make me think. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, and I've I just never really felt comfortable taking the chance on one, just like buying it and like right. committing to it a whole bomber of it or something. Pretty good though. Yeah. High it, in alcohol content. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling it already. I can tell you. It's I think it's interesting, especially this time of year. This is not something I would ever start an evening off with normally, although yeah. here we are doing that. Um it, it a barley wine tends to be something that I'm gonna want to drink when it's colder outside you know um when when temperatures actually lower or um it's at the end of the evening or something and i want something like as a nightcap yeah (laughs) and this this is also we should say this is the kind of beer that you uh do want you you can sell her yeah yeah right so i've been this one's been around for almost a year that uh that i've been sitting on there from 2017 and yeah i mean i like barley wines but i really do sort of confine them to certain occasions usually. It's interesting with this one being a blonde barley wine, the body is a little bit thinner than what I typically think of with the barley wine, which does make it, I guess, a little easier to throw back, but you still taste that alcohol. I mean, it's still a pretty hefty beer, and I'm glad that even though this is a 12-ounce bottle that we have, uh, well, at least two of us and and one who, who maybe... I tasted it a little bit. Took just a little to sip. Ooh, just a I, I'm, I'm, glad you're, I'm glad you said it, because I wanted to say something about... The, the, this is the moment for for listeners who the, are playing the when Ethan might take a sip game. The sip just, has been taken. Just tasting, yeah. it has happened. All right, so when we come back, we're gonna talk about another satanic, demonic uh, type of film, right? Absolutely, and, and some decapitations and some. Oh yeah, we're gonna get heavy into the decapitations. <laughs> back to beer in a movie we're going to talk a little bit more about satan in film 
not just the one and only Satan, because there's multiple ones we've found out now. Right? Yeah. Right. Uh, but Satanism, demonic possession, and the like, particularly Rosemary's Baby, uh, because this film, in a way, is kind of like what happened next after Rosemary's Baby. Um, but Carlos, didn't you see Rosemary's Baby for the first time recently? A few in hours preparation ago. for this. Yeah, I didn't finish it though. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, so here's what happened. Um, <laughs> I was watching it and I was fully prepared to finish it, but um, as the two of you know, and people listening to this don't yet, but uh, about a week ago, my car flooded significantly, and it was ready to go today. And my plan was to just go get it tomorrow morning, but if the car is ready and I don't go get it, my insurance won't cover my rental for tomorrow. So Ooh. I would have been like stuck with the cost of an All extra right. day of All rental. Right. Yeah. So I had to stop halfway through, go drop my rental off, pick up my stupid flooded car, um, and then, you know. Well, you're off the hook. I just said, ooh, because uh, it's one of those movies that I feel like, man, it's it's like it's all about the final payoff. It, That's yeah. my memory of the film. There's just so no much build up, and it's the final payoff. Right, right. Which is so unsettling. Yes, it, it is an unsettling ending, and, it, and it's one of those films that kind of keeps you guessing, although there are some indications that, that probably this yeah, is actually yeah. happening, but... Um, but before we get too far into it, maybe we should open up our next beer. Because yeah, as, do that. As our listeners know, we we never like to talk too long about movies before we get to beer. And w- what have you selected for us, Carlos? So I thought that because we were getting so into uh, satanic territory and the dark arts and such that mm-hmm. I would bring us back around and give us some Jesus. So I brought uh, the Grand Reserve <laughs> Ale from uh, Chimay, which is an authentic Trappist brewery. So Ooh. some monks in Belgium have made this one uh, within the walls of their monastery. So we're going to give this one a go. Right. That's good. We, and, need, we need a godly presence in here to make yeah. up for Ooh, all this. Listen to that. That's very satisfying. Um, yeah, and for those listeners, I know a lot of you are, are beer nerds yourself, so you probably already know this, but for anybody who doesn't, when Carlos says Trappist, this is a very specific kind of designation that goes with only a very few breweries worldwide. There's, I, I just looked this up before, there are only 12 as of this moment that can uh, legitimately call themselves Trappist breweries. Um, Not six, just any monks. They have to be particular kinds of monks. Right. Is and that- and and I think there's certain things about the way that they um, you know have the facility laid out and the kinds of process and everything. Um, but the, six of them are in Belgium, so it's primarily based there. So half of them are there. And I think that's where its origins are. And right. if you're not a, a beer nerd, Chimay is uh, one of the beers that's been available for a long time. Yeah, uh, around even before this craft beer explode, it was the sort of fancy expensive beer that i remember you yeah. know that you could get a quote-unquote bomber of um, right. back in the day you know yeah. there'd be some newcastle and maybe some bass pillow and then the really special would be the chimay over there yeah the fancy so you, can, you ought to be beer. able to f- find this just about anywhere right? yeah i think i've even seen it at like heb and stuff yeah uh, absolutely so so you have this and uh you know and only a few outside of belgium so th- this is this is one of those true trappist ales and uh carlos has brought us the grand reserve the bottle specifically says that the registered trademark trappist certifies the ale was brewed within the walls of an existing trappist monastery under the control of the trappist community 
and this is a key. <laughs> it sounds like a little like the mob, doesn't it? <laughs> a little, bit. A little like is, a cult. This, <laughs> is, this is the key part for me, though. A major part of the sales revenue is used by the monks to support charitable works. Um, the exceptional yeast isolated by Father Theodore, combined with the purity of the highly protected water of the abbey's well, gives Chimay its unique richness. And uh, they have been doing it since 1862. Yeah, that that is a... A very um, good history there. I have to get on the internet and look like a, the Google Maps of. Uh, I've seen an overhead shot of the Heineken production facilities today, and I wonder how the Chimay ones would uh, compare. I bet you it doesn't look like your cute little Trappist uh, monk. You know. Oh no, I'm sure it's much more industrialized yeah, than you would think. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Or than you would want to think that it was. Well, to make to put those the, those beers and the number like, that so the, many yeah, places. The quantity. And, yeah. Well, that may be true, but. Uh, so just, just to kick things off here, right. A darker beer than what we were drinking before. Um, we, we are pretty dark. I've never had this before, so I wasn't, I didn't know exactly what to expect. And it is a little darker than I had anticipated. Sort of a dark brown, sort of a little bit of red highlights in there. When you hold it up to the light, it's got some of that kind of fruity aromatics, not, not super over the top, more like a sort of dark stone fruit, I guess. Like I'm getting almost like a little bit of plum or maybe cherry out of out of the nose on that um so you know again we've talked about the cherry for sure yeah we've talked about juicy beers in the past and and that tends to be for us we've had a lot of you know ipas that have had more of like a citrus fruity thing this is different this does not have the citrusy quality at least in the nose yeah and uh and we'll be sipping on this and we'll We'll talk about the taste later, but but definitely um, a nice addition here to help us balance the darkness with the light. Uh, but but the, <laughs> but the darkness shall rule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we're talking about Satanism in films, right? Um, so so this film, Rosemary's Baby, right? Uh, a pretty notorious uh, film. It was a huge hit back in its time, right? And it was released in 1968, based on a very successful novel that that had come out before it. Um, which sort of brought Mia Farrow as a presence to the big screen, right? She had had, now you're our TV historian. Yeah, she had had yeah. a, was it Peyton Place? Yeah, Peyton what, Place. What, yeah. She was, and she, and she was well known for uh, you know, being, being married, married to, to Frank, Frank Sinatra. Sinatra. <laughs> she, she does not have a good history with picking men, unfortunately. No. Because, no. you know, Woody Allen, that whole thing. That's true. And we can or, talk about that maybe. Maybe, maybe later. Yeah. Or not at all. Right, <laughs> but 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 this film was definitely a good choice for her. Uh, getting into a very major film in terms of for for the moment, the late '60s, kind of this uh, you know really sort of dark take on a young couple and their experience creating a family. Right, I mean you have this young couple, Mia Farrow, John Cassavetes, um, moving into an apartment building and. John Cassavetes is this aspiring actor wanting to get his career off the ground. Um, seems to start having some success just as she's also bearing child, right? She's pregnant. Yeah. And so the, the film is kind of playing out like w- this pregnancy and all that's going on around it and these creepy sort of signs that maybe there's something awry with that pregnancy and, and, that, uh, and that it may have this... These nice old people that befriend them. Maybe yes. there's something there with that old Ruth Gordon. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, the the thing about the film, too, uh, I, I think is, you know, you, you just feel, I remember watching it for the first time and thinking about, like, it was such a big hit. And one of the things that's so unsettling is that 
you're even if there is this demonic thing going on that somehow it's going to be taken care of and we'll be all right in the end but it's not <laughs> it's like Welcome to the end. There's a lovely baby possessed by Satan. Right. Well, and, and that's it. And it, and it's sort of you know that film. I think even more so than Hereditary. There's this kind of um, what is it like? I guess it's kind of a gaslighting that's going on in a sense where you know everybody around her is telling her, "Oh no, you're over. You know, you're overreacting. This is you know like n- nothing really is out of sorts here." And yet all these indications that she's seeing and that we're seeing as an audience are telling us, no, there yeah, does seem to be something, something kind of creepy here. And, uh, and, and nonetheless, uh, you know, we're kind of left guessing until the very end of the film. Like, okay, but is, is it really? Or is she just sort of experiencing this kind of crazy pregnancy um, mind where she's, you know, going nuts because she's worried about becoming a mom and being a parent and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, which, which does, I think also put it in line with hereditary where we have this central female character who may or may not be having this, these crazy episodes that are, um, being tied into this potential other supernatural element that we're not sure if, if it's taking place or not. And in both cases, I just can't get away from the fact it's the like the friendly old people. They're yeah. the ones you better watch out for. <laughs> They're the ones. Yeah, because the next thing you know, you're in a treehouse surrounded by those same friendly old people, but they're all stark naked and trying to summon the devil. Right. <laughs> and it's just the a tale as old as time. You can't, you can't trust them. Yeah. You can't trust, trust them. No. So, but but Ethan, I'm I'm curious. I know you didn't get to finish the film, but as I want to hear from both of you, though. Uh, but I'll start with you, Ethan. As as somebody who did not care for Hereditary, a film that's in sim- similar territory, are you a fan of Rosemary's Baby, or ha- have you been when when you initially saw it? Uh, I I, I it's, hmm. That's such a rough question. <laughs> I'll say that um, I'm a fan of what I saw. Yeah, okay. yeah. I wish I had gotten a chance to watch it again. It's honestly, it's been a really long time since I saw it. Um, but I, I mean, I can rem- just, I remember that feeling, that unsettling feeling. And just, I, I'm someone that appreciates when a film is over that I, that I feel like something's off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't like nice closure and everything getting tied up nice and neatly. My goodness, it's not in that film. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of it. I mean, historically, I guess, but it's not something, it's not like a film that I seek to say, put and teach in a class. You right. know, or anything like that. Or something or, you go back and revisit on a regular no. basis. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that type of film based on the, you know, half of it that I saw. I don't know if I would, you know, be sitting at home on a weekend. Oh, yeah. Let's, Kyle, let's have a fun time. Let's yeah. watch Rosemary's no, Baby. No. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the stuff I saw was pretty intense. And, and then it's just so funny, like watching some of these movies. And I know some of them have been more recent than others. Like when we talked about American pie and like the stuff that doesn't play, but just because we're in such a like very specific, like cultural climate right now, Mm -hmm. but there's that kind of frames certain things in a weird way. But I mean, there's a scene where the husband's just like, yeah, you were passed out, but we were supposed to try to conceive tonight. So I went ahead and did it anyway. Hope that's okay. And she's like, (laughs) I did not remember that. And she was like, she was like, we could have done it in the morning. And he was like, Oh well, <laughs> yeah. They just kind of move on, and I'm just like, "What the right. fuck is going on?" Like, right, right. Uh, and I mean, you know, I don't know. 
Roman yeah. Polanski doesn't have like the greatest like personal track record. No, either, that's so, true. That's um, true. Some of that plays into it as well. He's a director that I'm not super familiar with. I well, haven't seen a lot of his movies, but what I will say, you so okay, so Ethan said that part of Rosemary's Baby is the payoff at the end, and the one Roman Polanski movie that I have seen that I have very vivid memories of is The Ninth Gate. And oh, the yeah. end of that movie is crazy. Yeah. Like, I remember watching that movie when I was in high school at like two in the morning at like a friend's house. Like there was like three or four of us and we we're like, oh, uh, what should we watch? And he was like, oh, my sister has this movie, The Ninth Gate. It looks kind of cool. And uh, we put it on. And at the end of it, I was like, what in God's name just happened? Wow. Like, that was totally I don't insane. even know that film. I remember it. The, Johnny Depp. Yeah. It's, again, demon summing summoning he's trying to like open the night yeah. gate to hell or whatever oh, and, God. you know why you want to do that you i know? think <laughs> leave well, that gate closed please. he succeeds right and he walks he goes in and is you know <laughs> hanging out or whatever he does it yeah <laughs> i mean good for him you it know? was there so we opened it yeah 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 right <laughs> there was oh. a clear uh do not open sign on the door but didn't totally seem disregarded to, yeah it didn't seem to be pertinent to us it <laughs> It seems like no, the, the, all the all that stuff you bring up is 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 you know worth worth plumbing here. I do want to just make the coming back to like why you would watch this film. What you know what initially drew me to it wasn't even that it was this notorious horror film, although I did know that. I mean, I kind of knew that going into it. But what got me to watch it back in the I guess it was probably ninety nine two thousand towards the end of my college days. Uh, was John Cassavetes actually? Yeah, because somebody had turned me on to Cassavetes, and I think I had seen maybe Woman Under the Influence and Husbands or something. And I'm like, man, this guy was like making mainstream Hollywood films too. And what were some of his films? Oh, I've heard of Rosemary's Baby, so I remember watching it specifically to be like, okay, what does John Cassavetes, this director who was doing yeah. these kind of loose, rambling kind of independent films? Um, th that were really precursors to the American indie cinema movement uh, of the 80s and 90s and, and so forth. Um, what was he doing to make money on the side or, or to make money, really? And and I was kind of, wow, this is crazy. Now, I don't think he's particularly Dirty great. Dozen. Yes, he did make Dirty Dozen, too. That was another one. Um, and if you if you want to really see some interesting stuff, go back to his TV work in Johnny Staccato. Yeah. Little known, early 60s detective sort did, of jazz. did that have like one or two seasons was that yeah, yeah it was really short but anyway. yeah so i mean definitely a guy that i would wholeheartedly endorse and maybe we'll have an episode on cassavetes at some Ooh, point yeah, that yeah i think uh, there's a criterion box set of yeah some of his yeah. stuff so um so so maybe we'll get to delve deeper in that but that was what drew me to it I remember feeling like he was kind of the worst part of the film because <laughs> I don't know, like not that his performance was necessarily wooden. And again, maybe it's partly the character. Um, it needs to be this kind of weird milk toast kind of guy. Um, it, the Gabriel Byrne of the film, so to speak. <laughs> there you so, go. Yeah. Milk toast is such a strange phrase. Yeah. Do, do any of us know where that comes from? I the, just, the origins of it? I don't. I, I, I've that is it. another podcast. Yeah, there we <laughs> I just, I just thought I'd ask since we well, were on we the subject. We should do a spinoff podcast. Yeah, right. All the all the, the terms, terms that come up. Yeah, milk toast. Let's get into that <laughs> etymology. But how about this, listeners? If you know the origins of the term milk toast, go to the beer and movie. I know Twitter, that it's yeah, not M I L K toast. Uh, it's M I L Q U E. Right. Right. The the etymology <laughs> of beer in a movie, a spinoff podcast. Yes, soon. right. Um, but but that's what drew me to it. So it was a really interesting kind of experience, and I do think. I've at least seen it two or three times over the years. 
in part because I think the first time I was watching it, I was watching it so closely as a, oh, this is a John Cassavetes film, that at some point down the road from there, I thought, oh, I should watch it just as a film film. And the, it, I, I want to see this as, you know, like sort of a late 60s horror film and one that brought in Satan and all that, which it did, right? And you mentioned the the um, sort of the cover-up for the Satan rape that's in the film there. But um, th- that's quite a sequence there, yeah. right? Where we have this... It was very unnerving. Yeah, yeah. This really kind of dark, twisted... Um, Especially because she's like scratched up. You see all these scratched like, up cuts and, on her back. Well, and, and the people like in the room and the... Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean... The, yeah, that part. The, this sort of audience for this And thing. everyone's naked in that scene too, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was definitely one of the things that's every time I've watched it, it stood out to me is like, wow, I don't... I feel like... 1968, here's a scene that I think is as, is as crazy and strange and disturbing a scene as I have seen in anything yeah. since. I mean, it isn't gory particularly, although there is some scratching. It's just that whole scenario and the, and the weird like flashes of this Satan character that, that Yeah, and you know, there. I mean, the truth is that there's a, a whole world of cult Satanist films out there that we're not even touching. Oh but yeah, we're, yeah. That, that these are these are the most big mainstream uh, films of this kind. But I just want to public service save the time of any listener who might do a Google search on milk toast. Oh, okay. To you, let you know, <laughs> the origin is after Casper Milk Toast, a character in the Timid Soul comic strip by H. T. Webster. Oh. American cartoonist. Okay. Well, that's, so that's not interesting We'll, we'll have to do, all. yeah, like <laughs> wine in a cartoon as our next podcast. I don't know. We can look at I like it. this idea of the spinoff, though. Yeah. Um, we can be so, educational But well, But, yeah. Ethan, you bring up a good point there. This is only, in, in some ways, the tip of the iceberg for oh, Satan yeah. and film. Um, you know, others that have come up, even in that thread that you had on decapitations, right? The yeah. Omen. Yeah, um, I was going to say, yeah. you know, uh, far and away. So I, I asked people what their favorite cinematic decapitations uh, were. And uh, far away, you know, uh, The Omen wins. It seemed people like that after was people, a favorite, yeah. You know, don't do such a great job reading the thread or clicking to view all comments. So they kept recommending The Omen. Then, yeah. But absolutely well that's uh, what comes to their mind it, it's good it, to, it crosses it goes through their head yeah one of right. the main reasons that i remember <laughs> that decapitation so well is i remember because I, I was i was pretty young the first time i saw the omen so i was watching it with my mom and that you know the decapitation happens and right, she, you would tell people we, we tell, there's a sliding sheet of glass yeah and she looks at me and goes it's nothing to lose your head about <laughs> <laughs> score one for mom yeah and this is well done they Love did that. a really great job not just coming up with the 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 sheet of glass doing it but i just watched the scene because like everything else there's a nice little cut of it on youtube mm-hmm. uh but boy they get it from a bunch of angles and that head just goes flying around quite a bit so they mm-hmm. really milked that decapitation for <laughs> everything it was worth another one uh another one of course uh, got a couple of mentions uh highlander yeah a lot of people i saw were mentioning highlander and for good reason never right. seen reason. it what never all right well it. you got to know that's what you have to do to kill highlander wow we're gonna have to find something to pair that with yeah. uh, we just an- do a highlander there, aren't there like 17 of those movies uh or well there were two, definitely at least two films but there was a series right yeah okay. yeah. yeah we don't uh, need to watch that another another genre <laughs> speed oh yeah action haven't yeah. seen it uh, dennis hopper really now that you should see the first speed I don't know that you need to see Cruise Control. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Keanu left I've, the I, yeah, yeah, I've yeah, always yeah. wanted to see it because I am a very 
big Keanu Reeves fan, and at times, well, you I guess, how can an you can't call yourself a big Keanu Reeves fan and not having set, seen Speed, man. I'm look, calling you on that right now. Look, man, check I don't, your first Keanu of all, Reeves. I don't need this crap from you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, just because your car got a little wet, <laughs> you think he's going to take it easy? Yeah. Uh, Have you yeah. seen Point Break? Yeah, of course I've okay. seen Point well, Break. Well, I mean, Speed, like that's legitimate Keanu Reeves, like. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I've always like known about it, but well, and Dennis there, Hopper too. I there mean, was never anybody in my life that was like, "You need to see this movie; it's so good." I just like knew it. Well, existed it was. And, like, no, you're right. I mean, like that happened with Point Break. Yeah, because I had friends <laughs> growing up that were like really into like surfing. Well, and come on, sports. yeah, the surf. The I mean, surf I, culture, I, yeah. I mean, I grew up a skateboarder, so like it made sense that some of those people I would skateboard with also mm-hmm. were surfers living, you know, by the coast and everything. Right. Um, and so they were like, Oh, you need to see this movie. It's so badass." And yeah. you know, uh, good speed movie. actually, it transcends just Keanu Reeves fandom. I would say like that. That's the Sandy thing. B just, in it you too, love him. Mistaken. Yeah. Love a good Sandy B. Sandy movie. B. <laughs> hey, I don't care what anybody no. says that oceans eight was good. Miss congeniality is a classic. She's got some good credits to her name. Yeah, I mean, she's had her moments. She's does she mm. get her head cut off in any movies? Not that Not I'm that aware I, of. No, the There's net they don't cut her like head off in that. the net, do they? No. But I think she still has quite a career ahead of her, so you never know. Uh, yeah, very well does. Never know. Don't want to get her career cut short. She's got so much ahead of her. <laughs> oh, uh, Aguirre, Wrath of God. Werner Herzog. Which was the first one that came to my mind when you posted it. I mean, that scene stood out to me. Again, another film that's not really a horror film. Yeah. It's a really strange. I mean, it's a Werner Herzog film. Yeah. Uh, with, with, with Klaus Kinski. Um, at his uh, raving lunatic best. By, by yeah, and we'll uh, we'll uh, post some handy links to all these great yeah, decapitations. Definitely, uh, for, for you guys. But, but also like some great dark humor in there. With the, I believe the line is that man is a head taller than me. That may change <laughs> <laughs> right before uh, he has his henchmen go and uh, and take care of that. So. So yeah, definitely um, decapitation on film is something that uh, that stands out. There's an actually there's an entire book on the subject. Oh my gosh! Yeah, someone posted uh, about that. Did anybody put Friday the Thirteenth? I don't see that. Was it the original that had in the, the first one? They cut Mrs. Off? Voorhees has her head cut off. Oh wow! Okay, got to go back to that. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yes, yeah, that, that came that up, yeah. Time. And that, and that's one that it seemed like a lot of people encountered early on, it being it a, a good PG-13. One in Evil Dead too. And, yeah, that's the right. A really that, comic yeah. one, as much of Evil Dead yeah. 2 is. Yeah. Seven? Yeah, well, that's implied. That's implied. That's and implied. actually, that film, I thought about that with uh, watching Hereditary. Like, there was some, some, something about it made me think that this guy, he likes Seven. He likes Fincher. Yeah. Well... So we, we've we've done some talking here. Um, Rosemary's Baby, it seems like generally we're, we're a little, you know, I think gets closer to three thumbs up here rather than uh, Hereditary, which which seems to be... Uh, Hereditary l- is ultimately going to be a completely forgettable film. Yeah. You know, what, you know Rosemary's Baby is a, I agree. is a classic film that people are going to continue to go back to. And, and here we are, so 50 years later or more, right? Yeah. Um, but hereditary, no one's going to remember this movie. Yeah. I think that, I think that the press did a disservice to this movie by trying to elevate it to exorcist level. They, I kept another reading, Satan I, yeah, uh, I, or demonic film. Demonic that we have film. Not, yeah. I, I kept remembering or I kept seeing, and now I'm remembering, uh, articles pop up like 
Hereditary is this generation's exorcist, the yeah. scariest movie in 20 years or 10 years, right, or however right. long. And I, I don't know about all that. Yeah, I will say that it's well, they got to they got to get somebody to see this damn movie. I did right? see a yeah. lot of. Uh, I would have gone to see it either way. A lot of reaction that talked about people having trouble sleeping after this. Like, I, mm. I mean, generally, I'm not that. The horror movies that get me are usually the ones that, like, if this movie had ended with it just being these really deluded cult people who were doing this stuff, and there was no discernible payoff, and it was just like they're just nude and there's no like floating people and stuff that tells me that there is this supernatural yeah. realm that they've tapped into, then I would probably be a lot more disturbed. Once you get into the floating people and all that sort of stuff, it just takes you like, out of it. Yeah. Well, happily so. I don't, I don't want to have, <laughs> I don't want to be haunted by it. I kind of like it when it goes there. Um, it, it makes it easier for me to dismiss, I guess in that way. But regardless, I think, I agree with you too. As much as I did enjoy this film, Hereditary, I do not think it is necessarily a new classic. I don't think it's going to be a film that we're going to be talking about. Unless, what, what's his name? Ari Aster? Is that? Um, yeah, that's yeah. his name. I mean, if, if, if he keeps making films that make money and he becomes known as an auteur, then I could see this becoming something more. But, um, I don't know. He's seen, he, uh, it's, he smells a lot like a less talented uh, M. Night to me. Ooh, okay. Ooh. Shots fired, wow. shots fired. Yeah. Ah, sorry. Okay, so before we move on to the beer, I would like to um, go through. <laughs> go through. Oh, come on. You, you <laughs> I'm not, okay, I'm sorry. You peaked, right. man. Okay. I, would, I, I wanted to give some honorable mentions to other Satan-themed movies that, damn <laughs> My whole reveal is gone. Okay. He, he's going to talk about Liddy, Little Nicky, folks. It's, uh, uh, no. <laughs> not Little Nicky. Well, someone I, I, should I, talk about Little Nicky. <laughs> I wanted to give honorable mention to some good satanic, sa- satanic movies okay. that we didn't talk about, but that I think are good. Most of them are more recent. But one yeah. is, and this is a director that I think has done some really good work that I think a lot of like diehard horror fans mm. appreciate, but that hasn't really gotten like a more like mainstream recognition, but Ty West in 2009 made a movie called The House of the Devil. Is that no? Do you know Ty or T? I've always said T. I've always said Ty. Okay, let's okay. go with Ty. Ty West. And House of the Devil, I did like a lot. Tom it's Noonan. so good. Love Tom Noonan. And it has a crazy satanic ending. <laughs> gotta like make I my said, I, gotta tie it in. Puppets and Satan. I, I could be down with this. <laughs> that would be good. Right. Um, he also did your next, which that was would have made been something interesting anomaly. Um, and he had one of the segments in VHS, right? VHS, yeah. His segment yeah. in VHS was good. Um, so he he did House of the Devil. I think it's a really good satanic movie. Another one, and I was lucky enough to have been present for the world premiere of this film at South by Southwest in 2015. The only year I've put myself through South by Southwest. But this one is a New Zealand horror film directed by Jason Lee Howden in his directorial debut, says Wikipedia. It's called Deathgasm, and it's a heavy metal-themed horror movie in which these kind of black metal heads um, that are really into like the Norwegian dress-up and paint-your-face kind of Scandinavian black metal, they play a riff, this like demonic rift that summons the devil and brings on the end of the world and they have to try to save it. It's totally outrageous the way that New Zealand horror movies are, if you remember some of Peter Jackson's earlier work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last but not least, um, directed by the great Harold Ramis, Bedazzled, starring Brendan Fraser and Elizabeth Hurley, another great satanic movie. This one a comedy more than a horror, um, but 
had to drop that one in there. My whole, you know, my whole reveal's gone. So it's nice. <laughs> no, I, I, that was the one that I spied on his, uh, on, <laughs> on his laptop there. And it, you know, I, it's been so long since I've seen it. It's that. a good movie. I've revisited, I've revisited that one pretty recently and I got to say it holds up. All right. You the know. jokes land still. So, uh, so you can, you can have Satan in the dark. You can have Satan in the light. It's, yeah, you, you know, know, Hey, it depends on how you frame it. Absolutely. So, as Carlos said, though, we're going to get back to this beer here. Uh, Chimay, Grand Reserve. I, it's been a while since I've had Chimay. I'm really happy with this. Yeah, it's good. For my first time with it, it's, um, I think it's a little more carbonated than I had expected. Yeah. Um, but Lively. It, it is. On the palate. Uh, it's, you know, like I said, a lot of that dark fruit that I was, I was smelling in the nose, I'm getting it in the, the flavor. Yeah. It's a really easy drinker. I mean, it's it's got more body to it than you'd want typically in the summertime, which is when we're recording this. But you know, it's something to drink with uh, with Satan. I don't know. I mean, this is this is probably the thing to fight Satan with. You know? Yeah, I yeah. would say so. And I think at some point maybe we need to have a seasonal beer preference mini-sode yeah because that seems to be a hot topic going around right now um it is it's you know especially where we live we live you know we've mentioned this before but south texas we get pretty hot although i was listening earlier today to the radio and we on the coastline along with houston galveston are some of the lowest temperatures in the state it's not so (laughs) bad and we're in the low 90s the rest of the state is like kissing whatever 103 104 low 90s but feels like with the humidity that's it brings true. the temperature up quite a bit so yeah no that's not a bad idea carlos you do definitely want to take that into account but the good thing is here in south texas we have air-conditioned theaters and if we're watching a movie at the alamo draft house <laughs> which we do we, <laughs> we can certainly have a darker beer there it's not going to put us but out this, and that used to be one of the key advertising you know for people to go to the movies back, was the ac was the ac oh yeah back before place, they were one of the first places to be air-conditioned that's right that's right so um we're kind of coming to a close here um any any closing words here guys i'll say that i enjoyed most of hereditary i didn't think it was a terrible movie despite some of the criticisms that i may have get i may have given it but you know missed opportunities for sure um and you know just had the potential to be a lot better than it was. Yeah. So came out a little disappointed in it. I actually remember leaving the theater and Kylie and I looking at each other like, the fuck was that? (laughs) You know, those diet Coke commercials they have now, they're so annoying. Most like like most commercials. Yeah. But the diet Coke ones are like the, the people that they found to be in them are just particularly (laughs) like their whole thing to try to get people to, to drink soda again. is like, so if it's your thing, didn't do that. Or or don't if it's not your thing. <laughs> if you want a diet coke, have one. And it's like you know what I if that's how I feel about Hereditary. Like, <laughs> if, if that's your thing, thing that's your thing it. to watch like, these kind of crappy movies like this. Right. You know, fine, and don't get mad at me for not liking it. All right. Uh, so it's but, turning you into something that you hate. You know, I it's not my thing, and I would never watch this movie ever again or recommend it to anyone but hey if you like that then you know you be you i would i would recommend it just so that i could ask questions about how whoever saw it felt about it like i would say if if somebody was like oh should i see hereditary be like you know what go see it come back to me when you're done and let's talk about it because i'm interested to see what you think about it but it's not one i'm gonna be like go see it you're gonna like it in fact before ethan saw it i said 
Yeah, you're probably going to hate this movie. <laughs> yeah, in fact, he said that if everything I know about what you think of cinema, <laughs> if you like this movie, it'll, I don't know. How, it'll how disprove. It? It, it'll, dis, it'll go against everything I know about wow. you. Wow, wow. And he was right. Yeah, right I, I did he, say that, and then very quickly, Ethan was, he was like, so why the hell should I go see this movie? And I, I had to try <laughs> to like, backpedal. We got to record a podcast. <laughs> um, I, That's why I was there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for the record, uh, I watched this film at 10 a.m., Okay. This is a perfect Today, time to see it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I got a very good seat. <laughs> very good seat. Were you the only one in the no, theater? No, no, right, I was good. Good. There was a guy behind me. He took two restroom breaks, and a couple down in front. So All right, it wasn't just me. Well, How do we feel about seeing movies just for the sake of cultural relevance, like to stay up to date with what people are talking about? For me, it's it kind of a no brainer. I, lo- I mean, I love movies. I love going. Even a bad movie, even a bad day at the movies is a great day i i love going to see something if it and and as we've already revealed on this podcast i am much more willing to go with with so many things than than y'all are but even if it's something that really even chafes me and and makes me angry i still come out of it thinking i still come out of it with and actually i didn't love oceans eight but we, we can talk about that on another podcast <laughs> but um you know like it leaves me feeling like okay i got something to think about and like you say then i got something to talk about with folks when when i see them next out in the lobby in the theater whatever um so i i i'm, I'm I, yeah a big advocate and, for and i and it's true like i actually like just sitting down there and the previews come on, it's, I just enjoy the experience of being at the movies. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy the hell out of making fun of movies and saying how terrible they are, too. <laughs> there you go. See, hey. I mean, I, I think I agree with a lot of you. I, I just, every now and then I have this feeling where I'm like, I would never have seen this movie had it not been given so much hype and had I not known so many people were going to ask me if I had seen it and how I felt about it. Sometimes I feel like I'm cheating myself out of going to see hey, better movies. you or, be you, Carlos. Or staying home and watching another movie and it... Uh, 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 I go back and forth about it, but, but <laughs> well, you know. I will say with, with Hereditary, you know, go for the cultural relevance, stay for Toni Collette. That, that to me is the key. If you're going to love this film, it's going to be because you love her. Absolutely. So that's it for this episode of Beer and a Movie. We hope you've enjoyed spending some time with us and that you hit us up on social media. Find us at facebook.com slash beer and a movie TX uh, as beer and a movie on Instagram and we have our own website, beerandamoviepodcast.com. Let us know what movies we should be watching, what beers we should be drinking. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app and leave a review so that others might find us. Until next time, the only bad movie is unwatched and the only bad beer is undrank. So like what you like. Life is short. <laughs> have a Diet Coke or don't. <laughs> <laughs> Adios. Thank you.